0: I'm Elizabeth Ames, and this is the Women in Product Podcast, where we share the stories of women product leaders, the careers they've built, the challenges they've overcome, and why they love building tech products. At a time when women in our community may have been impacted by layoffs, we thought now was a good time to replay an episode from earlier this year. In it, I spoke with Julia Nachayeva. Julia is the Director of Product Management at Twitch and the creator of PM Daisy. Julia and I discuss how PM Daisy can help product managers learn more about their current and past PM roles to help them find their future product management fit. Our hope is that PM Daisy will help those looking for new opportunities focus on jobs that are a good match for them, and that those who are in roles can do a self-assessment to find their strengths as they grow their career. Julia, welcome to the Women in Product
1: podcast. It's really lovely to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Elizabeth. It's really, really a pleasure, and I'm really proud to be here. And hi, Women in Product. Maybe you can kind of go back in time and tell me
0: how you got started in product. What, what was your pr- path into product management, and you know, your first role?
1: So my first real job in tech was a QA engineer. So basically, I was testing software. Uh, However, during the first year of me working, I've gotten a team to manage. And I think that was because I was just asking too many questions and I was giving a lot of improvement suggestions to my manager. And he was like, "Okay, you are so smart. Here is a team for yourself. Try to do it better than I do. And so then I joined a game publishing company as a director of quality. So there I was invited to build engineering productivity team for a game publishing platform, as well as a testing team for the games we licensed and published. And at some point we actually realized that the perception of product quality doesn't end with the low number of bugs. So I ended up owning and restructuring the customer support team on top of managing testing and edge product teams, and uh, we managed to significantly reduce the time that it took customer support team to solve a problem of a gamer who uh, reached out to the company. So I actually, uh, you see that I touched almost entire cycle of product development, except the most exciting one, the very beginning, deciding what product actually to build. And I was lucky that that company Innova, uh, was, they were particularly great with matching people with challenges. And my manager at that time, he is, by the way, currently a VP at Reddit. So he was like, hey, you know, we have this game for kids. We've been developing it on the side. It's a secret project. Do you want to have a look at it? I think you'd be a fine product manager. And I was like, I'm down for the new challenge, but what the heck is a product manager? And so I kind of read some blogs and websites. It sounded exciting, and I liked it even. So this is how I started being a product manager. Um, The product was a game for kids, uh, for kids 7 to 10 years old, in which they traveled to the planet Mars to meet with aliens who would, teach them creative professions such as fashion designer, DJ, photographer, dancer, singer. And so I think that I kind of was building that game for myself 20 years ago. I think I emphasized with my user so much that it actually helped me to fail tremendously the first product that I've built. I thought about the user, but I have not thought about the real customer. A parent, yeah.
0: Right. Well, you know, there's a couple of things that you have said already that I think are so interesting because I hear them over and over. And, you know, one of them is asking too many questions. That's usually a, a, a place where I don't know if it's women and men, but I definitely hear this from a lot of women where especially women who were in engineering roles, but not exclusively, that they asked so many questions that people sort of pushed them into the product role over time. And also just that notion of sort of like, uh, you know, getting, you know, sort of, as somebody said to me recently, voluntold, you know, sort of halfway volunteered, but also told, you should go over there, you're a better fit over there. And they were like, I'm not entirely sure what that is, but I'm interested. I'll go see what it is. So, you know, that's something that I hear from lots lots of women um, in their path into the space. Yeah.
1: I think I would say that we were lucky to have managers who noticed something in us that we hadn't noticed ourselves, right? And this is the type of manager I always aim to be. Because like, as a person, when you're working, you don't know what you don't know, right? And as a manager, I see you uh, from the side. I can say, where are you struggling? I can tell whether you're asking too many questions or whether you're not asking questions at all, right? Because I know how many questions every other person asks. But if you are in that position, You don't know, maybe you are bothering them by asking those questions, right? You don't know whether those questions are great or whether they're dumb. And so I really, really celebrate managers of mine and of that person who said it to you. And I really encourage like every manager to be like that.
0: Yeah, it's um, such a great point that you bring up. I mean, managers have such a huge impact, on people and, you know, whether they're good managers or not so good managers. And True. when you get those people who are good, who can see where you're struggling, where you're strong and help guide you, because as you said, we all walk into our professional lives without knowing all of these yeah. things that we may know now. Right. Okay. Um, and so having that kind of guidance is always incredibly valuable. Yeah. So, you know, I, I usually follow up those questions with like, what kept you in product? Because, you know, we definitely see people who step into product roles, but then step out into some other role. Um, it may be product related, it but, or maybe completely mm-hmm. different.
1: So what kept you in product? It would be surprising to find that the same things that keeps kept me and other people in product are the same things that. Didn't keep people who didn't like them in products. Right? So, for me, yeah. it was a for me it was a combination of uh, several things. Uh, first of all, I fell in love with the level of impact that I could have on the final product. Right. So when I work in quality, I couldn't do anything if a user told me the product is not working the way I wanted to work. The product doesn't solve my need. So I could only help them if the product had a real bug. But as a PM, I could make better decisions from the very beginning, right? Or I could actually invest in building the right expectations about the product. Because sometimes it's okay that we don't solve your problem, right? Maybe you should find another product. Why would I spend the time helping you if I have my target customer? And so it all kind of help me to get to the next level and to help me build the product better than if I were in the end of the product development. Mm -hmm. Second, I would say it's the most addictive thing to have that level of connections with customers. As a PM, I can talk to them from the very beginning, right? I could see their eyes. I could see their pain. I could understand their needs. And then... I could come up with a solution that they would appreciate. Uh, But here, um, the caveat is that I wasn't afraid to hear that I failed, right? Because I was coming from quality. And so I was working in a world where I only heard from people how we failed. And so I think that kind of helped me a little bit because I know that for some people, it's not very uh, exciting to hear that your great idea is not working for me. And lastly, I absolutely love the increased complexity of the work. Mm -hmm. To build the right product, I had to choose the target audience, determine what they need and separate must-haves from nice-haves, decide how we're going to achieve the vision, contribute to product design, to engineering design, define the order of releases, then test, iterate. And again, as I said, to be comfortable with, Abandoning our great idea that the team has worked on for months, yeah. brainstorming over marketing that like so much fun, right? And then on top of that, actually aligning stakeholders, being the team, setting up the processes. I, that context switching, I don't know, it just gives me so much energy and that's what I absolutely love.
0: Yeah, that's great.
1: So one of the reasons that
0: I really wanted to talk to you today is because you developed a really cool product called PM Daisy. So Thank you. can you tell me what PM Daisy is? Or You're at always- least tell our viewer or our listeners what PM Daisy is.
1: I will talk about my product with great pleasure. PM Daisy is a framework that helps you visualize the work you do on a daily basis as a product manager so basically it uses two dimensions the breadth of your responsibilities and the depth of how much you involved in each of those so it looks like a flower right daisy is a flower and so you imagine a flower that has paddles and now imagine that every paddle represents a work stream or an area that any PM potentially could be involved in. For example, customer research, sales, UX design, engineering, the product management work itself, people management, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now for each work stream, which is a paddle, right? You could either have a paddle uncolored, meaning you don't have any influence over that area, someone else is doing that work, or it can be Slightly colored, meaning you work with a standalone team that you likely submit your request for help, and then you work with them if you are lucky to get that request prioritized. So, again, not much power. Or the paddle can get uh, a brighter color if you have a dedicated team member or a team for this, and you actually can prioritize or reprioritize work for them. So, that's already more influence, right? More. Are impact and more power. But it gets to the darkest color if, if it's only you who do the work by yourself. So that's the deepest level of involvement. So basically, TLDR, DAISY represents your day-to-day job responsibilities in a concise visual manner. And you can see at a glance how much you are doing and how much resources you have to do what you are asked to do.
0: So, talk a little bit about how other PMs, other women PMs, would use PM Daisy, and you know what what they would get out of it. Right? What what is the result that uh, they get? What's the process that they go through, and then how would they use that information?
1: Uh, So the process is very simple. You come to a website, pmdaisy.com. You fill out a Google form, you submit it, and you get a picture on your email. It should happen in a couple of minutes. If you don't, then do it once again. You can actually do it multiple times for your different roles, and then you can compare those daisies for different roles. And so um, I did actually survey people who used it because i wanted to understand why people are using it right how people uh, are finding value in this uh, tool and so what i found was first of all it works best for mid career professionals those are people who have been in the industry they tried things here and there they have some, or maybe a high understanding of what they like and what they don't like. And uh, it's less useful for aspiring PMs and it's less useful for people who are in executive position. They, I believe they have another set of challenges, right? So I asked uh, my uh, users, what did it help them with and what they see as the best application for this? And so I offered four options. I asked them uh, whether it's best for career happiness, career change, career growth, or transitioning to PM. And so two options that one with significant distance were career happiness and career change. And so the way I interpret those results are that basically people use it in their exploration stage, right? Where, when, they kind of don't feel happy at their career, but haven't identified the why yet. And so they are looking, uh, at different. they are reading articles, they are trying different frameworks, and maybe some of those frameworks click with them. Or uh, it can help people who already know they want to change, right? And they are in the process of defining what the change should be and what to keep and what to get from the new role or from the new position. So I call it definition stage. TLDR, basically PMDAVY can help you find the mismatch between what you want and what you currently have. But be cautious. It's not about everything, right? It's only about your responsibilities and the scope of your role.
0: So it's basically helping you to see what are the kinds of responsibilities uh, that you have in a particular role where somebody can then sort of say in that role, I'm pretty happy. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that role. Ergo, those kinds of responsibilities are things that I'm interested in Um, Uh or the reverse, right? I, this job had these responsibilities and I really was unhappy in that job. Right. Yeah. So, One of the things that struck me about this tool was, you know, it's the beginning of the year, and a lot of people are thinking about, you know, taking that step back and saying, Am I happy in my current role? Or I want to advance? What are the best ways for me to advance? Um, And one of the things that you often do when you're in that mode is some amount of a self-assessment, right? Or assessment of the situation that you're in. And this just seemed like a really great tool to fuel that assessment, to give people some insight into what was working for them, where they might aspire to go, um, help them get you know, clarity on what they were looking for, Um, which is always seems to me is half the battle in terms of, um, you know, either getting a promotion or finding your next thing is if you are clear on what you want, then you you definitely get a different response from people than if you're unclear,
1: right? Yeah. Especially, and if you are clear on, on what you don't want, then it also helps you eliminate opportunity that, might sound exciting, but they are not the best fit for you specifically, although they could be a great opportunities for other people, right? Right,
0: right. Exactly.
1: So now, how
0: many people have used PM Daisy? And, you know, can you, can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure. So by this day, it was about 3,500 people who generated about 4,000 days. So as I said previously, right, some people do it uh, as a comparison tool. So they do a daisy for several roles. I actually saw people who do it five times and I'm like, wow, that's a hell of a career. And so yeah. uh, I've gotten feedback from people that it's great to see how their responsibilities changed and that it was kind of surprising for them that sometimes the responsibility didn't grow but actually shrinked but the happiness increased mm-hmm. right so sometimes going broader is not the uh, it's not a path for a specific person and so this is also what are uh, resonated with me very well because I, I am a very I'm a person who loves context switching but I know a lot of people who just are not the most efficient in that mode, right? And so yeah. they just don't want to talk to marketing every single week. They want to do their data analysis. They want to talk to customers and they want to work with engineers and that's it. And there are a lot of products on the market who need that type of PM. So why don't you find the role that fits you and be happy? Because like, if you're not energized, it hurts everyone, right? It hurts you, it hurts your family, it hurts your company, it hurts your users. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such a great
0: point because I think that we're all very conditioned to think of, you know, up and to the right, like I should be, Mm -hmm. I should be in a higher level position than I'm at and, or I should aspire over there. And maybe that actually isn't what you want. Right. I mean, maybe the thing, You know, for you is to find a a different situation, Um, one that you can thrive in and do really good work, have a big impact, like you said, and, you know, be happy about it, right? There's nothing wrong with that. And, um, you know, I just think that it's helpful for people to see those differences, even things like, I have heard different people talk at different times about liking to be in certain size companies, right? Mm -hmm. That they like to be in early stage, early Mm -hmm. stage startups because they can have a big impact and they really like that environment. They can take all of the adrenaline rush all the time and other people who love being in big organizations and um, understanding those differences so that you can, you know, be effective at what you're doing, be in an environment that makes the most sense for for you, the environment that takes the best um, advantage of what you have to offer, right? So
1: may I issue a warning here? Yeah, yeah. So I looked at the data in aggregate, and I actually found that it's not as straightforward as, go to a smaller company and then you'll have uh, more uh, responsibilities, right? Or go to a larger company and then you'll have a lot of resources. Yes, there is a difference, but the difference is like in 10 percentage points, right? And I don't think that's enough to define uh, to eliminate smaller companies or larger companies. What's more important, I think it's not enough to make uh, to think that if you come to a large company, you are done, right? No, you have to be carefully evaluating every single role. I'm coming from Google, right? And I'm joining Amazon's company. And I can assure you that there are such different teams, such different stages of product. And all my friends who are startuppers, there are startups that actually uh, all the PM does, they do write product requirements when a CEO actually does customer research, right? Mm-hmm. There are other types of startups where CEO does fundraising and then APM can act as a CEO and everything else. So I would really, really encourage uh, listeners to uh, do their homework. And it's a sad news, it's not that easy that large company versus small company.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, really understanding kind of the structure in and the differences of those structures and responsibilities in different organizations is is really important. Um, And, and, you know, having some of this information can kind of help you in assessing a potential job that's in, in front of you in terms of really thinking through, like, Okay, so in this area, how much responsibility am I going to have there? How many, you know, so that you really see the full range.
1: Yeah, yeah, true.
0: Yeah. So, so, you know, how did, you know, I'm curious, like, how did you come up with PM Daisy? I mean, tell me a little bit of the genesis of how you created this.
1: Uh, It's a classic founder story. I built it for myself. I was the one who initially found myself in a role that literally any PM could dream about. Company, product, team, location, culture, salary, everything was like awesome. But still, every evening when I was coming home from work, I had zero energy left to do the thing that I love to do. So something was clearly wrong. And that actually was my first PM job after I came to the US, I'm originally from Ukraine. And so I didn't quite understand the landscape, the career progression, what define a vision or build product strategy meant. I didn't quite uh, was uh, capable in uh, comparing roles to each other. And so I took a role that ticked all the boxes. Uh, And so I was unhappy. But I am a PM, right? And so what a PM does when they see a problem, they do research. I started uh, talking to the people I knew, my MBA classmates who were in product management. Mm -hmm. And surprise, we found that our jobs were hugely different, right? Although we all had the same title, product manager. And so I was like, okay, that means a game is not that easy. So I played with the information I've gotten from my classmate interviews. I tried to make sense of it and I uh, was focusing on what was unique about each role and where the differences were. And I also tried to understand how my current role was different from the ones I have had before that I was happy with. And so this is how I arrived to these two dimensions, the breadth and the depth of involvement and my insight was so simple my role was just simply too narrow for me and of course like when you as with many insights it became obvious right once you realized it but when you're in the situation especially when everyone tells you no you have to be happy it's a great company it's a great product it's a great everything so why you are unhappy aren't you grateful and I'm like yes I am grateful but it just not the right fit for, for me. And so what actually means for me to be grateful is to leave and to free the position for a person who would be happy with it. Mm-hmm. And so back to PM Daisy, I built a Google form. I tried it with a couple of friends. They really liked it. Then I wrote an article on Medium. I got overwhelming responses. So I had to asked my husband to build a website for me. <laughs> so he automated baby creation and now it just works by itself.
0: That is fantastic. What a great story. I love it. So now for the people that are listening, is there any cost to using it or you know, can they just go to the website and fill it out as many times as they want and look in as many yeah. database as they want?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's totally free and it will stay. So in its current state, I'm not considering starting a consulting business. I want to stay in the industry as a practical product leader. Okay. That is great. Well,
0: um, I think we you know, have talked about it quite a bit and how women should use it. Is there Are there any other recommendations or warnings that you have for the women and the people who are listening that may go and use it? Any things that they should think about or any, the exact ways that you would recommend that they use it?
1: Yes. So I have do's and don'ts. Okay. Okay. So the do's, just do it and literally just Take a deep look at it. Usually, as people are, as people told me, if there is an insight, it just stands out by itself, right? You just see that the picture is not something that you had expected. But if it doesn't, if you look at the data and you're like, "What should I do with it?" Then I would really encourage you to spend ten more minutes, give it, give it a chance, and do a little bit of self coaching, asking yourself two sets of questions. The first group of questions is to understand, is this what I expected, right? If it's a surprise for you, is it a good surprise or is it a bad surprise? Do I do more or less than I had thought? Do I have more or less resources than I have thought? Mm -hmm. And the second group of questions is to uncover, do I like what I see, right? Is my scope and my uh, engagement is something that I want for myself at this stage of my career. Is it too much? Is it too narrow? And if you still don't see any insights, well, that's an insight by itself, right? Looks, looks like you are in peace with your current job responsibility. So congrats. Uh, but if you still think that something needs to be changed, I think you just should go and look for another framework. And so uh, like with any product, every product solves a particular problem, right? So this product is not an assessment and it doesn't tell you what to do and it doesn't give you advice. It's simply a visualization of your current scope. Moreover, because you are the one who put the information there, if you are biased, your daisy would be biased too, right? So if something doesn't feel right, then I think it's not the daisy's fault, right? I think I would encourage you to work with a coach to really uncover what's going on with your current role. And the most important thing, there is no right or wrong shape of a daisy, right? We talked a little bit about it uh, recently with you. It's not a quote-unquote design your life type of a thing where you should have all dimensions balanced. No, it's totally fine if you have only a couple of paddles colored, and it's okay if you have all of them colored. What matters is if this picture matches what you want it to be. And so it's only you who can tell if you need a change or if you are fine with where you are now. And if you need a change, then where and
0: why. It seems like also that it has some value also in being able to see from role to role how things yeah. might change. Um, but but that, that sort of requires you to then answer the questions for different roles so that you can see, yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Um, any insights that you have seen in the sort of cumulative data Um, from people who have used it so far?
1: So the one that I've shared with you uh, a couple of minutes ago, right, that you can be any type of PM at any type of a company. You can be a fully colored daisy, either you are at a small startup or either you are at a 100,000 people company. And so, um, as I said, I would really, really encourage you to understand a specific role. So please torture your hiring manager, ask them a lot of questions, if this is something that you really need to understand for your uh, personality, right? Because for some people, they just, that doesn't affect them so much, right? Some people are... I want a challenge. I want this industry. I will do whatever it takes to get to this industry. That also is fair uh, strategy. But what else I wanted to share with you? So, uh, you know that famous essay that PMs are CEOs of their products? And I don't think that people in their mid-career still believe it, but I hope that I hope to reconvince aspiring PMs that no, PMs are not CEOs of their product. And what the data shows me, it shows me that more than 70% of PMs are not involved in business decisions like at all. And what else was interesting that more than 50% of PMs actually do project management jobs solo. So they are, leading the execution on a day-to-day basis. They're doing scrum meetings, they're checking uh, timelines. And it's not, a, it's not an uh, environment where you can do strategic decisions if you do that on day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. So again, and this picture is not dramatically different across company sizes. So do your homework. I would really, really love for you to get the job you want and be happy. So please, 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 please do your homework and understand the specific role. I think um,
0: that data about PMs not really being the CEOs of their product is an interesting one. Um, And one that I think might be an opportunity for people to think about a little bit more deeply what being a CEO of your product would actually look like. And what that balance is there that you might want. So it's been wonderful talking to you and so much good information here for people who are thinking about their current roles. But to kind of wrap up, it would be great if you could give us sort of one piece of advice that you would give to women PMs who may be reconsidering their current roles or planning to look for a new position in the coming year? Do you have any one piece of advice you'd like to give them?
1: I had prepared two, and so now I have to choose which one. Oh, well, you could give us two. Go right ahead. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. It's just I'm thinking a bullet lists, right? And you cannot make a bullet list if you have only one. <laughs> so the first one is the thing that always helped me was to monitor my energy level, right? I am a person naturally, a very high energy person. I do extreme sports. I have size projects. So once I sense that I'm tired to do what I love to do, it usually means that my work takes much more energy than I want it to take, and I have to deal with it. The thing to remember here is that your energy baseline is unique, right? Not everyone is doing extreme sports, and that, that's a good thing. For some, change in an energy level might mean not wanting a meal that you used to love, right? Or becoming less patient with your family or not being able to decide what movie to watch. Basically, TLDR is look for a change, not for an absolute value. So if you see a high high energy person and you want to watch uh, TV shows and you don't want to go skiing with me, that's perfect. That's all right. We need people of all types. And so once you find that uh, role, your job takes more energy than it gives you back, uh, try to understand, try to identify where it goes, right? Either through coaching or through self-help exercises such as journaling, tracking your mood, PM Daisy might come handy too. And more often than not, uh, I think your Um, you can fix it at your current role, right? You can redistribute a scope. You can change a process. You can have a tough conversation with your stakeholder or with your manager. But sometimes when the thing that burns your energy is fundamental, like when you either cannot do what you want or you cannot not do what you do not want to do, then I think it's a time to consider a change. And the second bullet and I'm really grateful to you, Elizabeth, for being so generous and allowing me to give two pieces of advice while you had an issue, ask me for one. Say you decided you wanna change, right? And now welcome your best companion, fear. Let's all admit that the change is scary. Uh, I have an example from my hobby, skiing, right? So you are standing on your skis, on the top of a diamond slope and you're about to drop and your body is full with adrenaline. But can you say, is it fear or is it excitement? The thing is that they both have the same mechanism, right? It's adrenaline that is produced in your body to help you tackle a risky situation. And so if you don't know what to do on a steep slope, if you haven't gone skiing for a while, or maybe you haven't skied at all, then probably it's a fear and you should listen to it and that prevents you from doing something really risky. But if you know that you have the skill, you are comfortable with steep blue slopes, you are in a good shape, you slept well, then it's likely a sign of excitement. And so with career change, I, uh, when I talk to people, I found that it's kind of the same. You should verify If that feeling is really a fear because you don't have skills, you don't have time, you don't have resources, you don't have support, you have some obligations to fulfill, right? With your family, with your financial situation, then yes, definitely it's a fear. But if you do have everything, then try to interpret that feeling as exhilaration or excitement. Yeah. You know, I think that you
0: bring up a really, really great distinction um, about the difference between fear or exhilaration. And I kind of go back to a personal story for me. A a long time ago, I was working with a speech coach and I was really nervous speaking um, publicly. Um, and I really, it kind of had it in my head that if I was good at it, I wouldn't be so nervous about it. Mm -hmm. And I had a wonderful coach who said to me, everyone who speaks publicly is nervous, (laughs) but people who are good at it, learn how to channel that nervous energy, right? They need to take, they learn how to take all of that exuberance or, you know, excitement and you know, project their voice and their presence out there rather than just be afraid, right? Yeah, And yeah, um, totally. sometimes it's getting the tools so that you can do that. Um, and sometimes it's just doing it a yeah. few times, right? So it's a good uh, distinction that you make between those two things and thinking about them.
1: Yeah. So one of my favorite TED talks, is by Carolyn Paul, mm. and it's called To Rave Brave Girls and Courage Adventure. Mm-hmm. So she talks about how in childhood, when a boy falls on the playground, parents tell him, oh, you were so brave for trying it. But when a girl falls, they tell her, be careful, it's dangerous, don't do it anymore, you can hurt yourself. And so girls actually learn from the very, very young age, that trying is scary, it's not exciting. And so I it's not my words, it's Carolyn's words, but I really, really encourage you to be that encouraging parent to yourself and tell yourself, you are so brave for doing it. I
0: think that's a perfect note to end on, and such a great story. So I hope all of our listeners are, kind to themselves and give them the space themselves the space to be brave and to really think about their careers and create the career and product that helps them thrive and hopefully PM Daisy can help them know what that is.
1: Plus 100. Thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. That was a pleasure. Thank you, Julia.
0: It was great talking to you.
1: Thank you for listening
0: today. Thanks also to our partners, Facebook, Google, PayPal, and Upwork, who provide annual support for the work of Women in Product and our community. This podcast is an original production of Women in Product. Our music today was provided by Croander, the instrumental music project of David Sete. Follow us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review so that others can discover us. Android users find us on Spotify or share this episode with others who you think would find it interesting. If you have any questions or suggestions for future guests or topics, you can reach us at podcast.womeninproduct@gmail.com. at gmail.com.